G'day guys, my name's Eero. This is episode 17 of my little podcast called Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. On today's show, I'm talking bicarbonate soda and green stuff. Pick up the brushes, pick up the paints, pick up the models and crank the music because it's time for The Imperial Rebel Orc Podcast. So what's green stuff? Now, I'm sure you all know, but I'll still talk about it anyway, just in case a few of you may not know what it is. Basically, it's a two-part modeling clay. So two parts green or blue and yellow, you mix them together and it forms green. And it's basically like a, it's like a Fimo or like a plasticine or a Play-Doh. And you can mash it together, shape it, twist it, roll it, flatten it, whatever you want to make it into any kind of shape you can think of. It's also really, really useful as a filler. Um, so if you're converting models, or even if you're not, if you're just slapping them together as far as what the, uh, the instructions say, um, sometimes you're still gonna get little gaps, especially when you, well, I've found, especially when you're building vehicles or flyers. Yeah, sometimes the plastic bits, the components just don't line up as perfect as you'd like them to be. So filling them with a little bit of green stuff, pushing this sort of, uh, this putty into those sometimes just hairline gaps makes all the difference. I probably don't do enough of that, to be honest, because um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I get. I don't like getting bogged down with details like that. <laughs> that sounds really bad, doesn't it? But especially when it comes to machines and buildings, because I sort of think, oh, you can sort of disguise it in other ways with paints or uh, with grit or whatever you're doing. But say, for example, I did a, I built a Valkyrie um, from games the Games Workshop range not so long ago and definitely needed to use, it's an older kit, so I definitely needed to use green stuff just to fill in some of those hairline gaps where, you know, the wing might have met the, the um, fuselage of the plane. Um, um, yeah, just sections like that, that no one would, to be honest, no one would really notice, but it would bug me to a degree. Um, yeah, but like I said, I generally, when it comes to the actual miniatures, the little people, I don't really use green stuff as a filler. I'll talk about what I use in a minute, but I noticed that on Instagram and over on the blog, um, a lot of people do use green stuff for exactly those reasons. For me though, green stuff is very useful if you haven't got a particular part or a particular type of cape, for example. Capes are very popular to make with green stuff. If I, yeah, if I can't find the right type of cape within my bits boxes, then yeah, green stuff comes in very handy. I recently um, did a sort of a conversion statue figurine thing for Hellgate and I couldn't, there was definitely not gonna be a cape that was gonna fit this 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 guy. So yeah, so getting like a, a big flat piece of, of green stuff and flattening it out and, and making it sort of ragged around the edges and then pushing it into place around this statue guy. Yeah, it worked exactly the way I needed it to. So because it's not a perfect cape, it's like a hooded cape thing I've gone with, um, a cloak, I suppose you'd call it more so, um, because I didn't want it to be perfect. I didn't, I wanted it to be ragged and have a hole in it and stuff, then then green stuff is, is perfect for that reason. Um, however, I mean, if you're a dab hand at sculpting and manipulating the putty into perfect shapes, then it's good for that as well. I'm just, I'm just a bit of a novice when it comes to green stuff. So the stuff I'm sort of using it for is very 
basic. Um, I, I think one of the first things I ever did with it was make a, a really, really small medal uh, for one of my, <laughs> for one of my um, I think his name was Colonel Mitchell, for my Praetorian Command guys. Um, yeah, I, he just looked like he needed a medal, so I, I built this, you know, or shaped this little tiny ribbon with a little tiny pendant, and then, yeah, glued that to him, painted it up, came up a, came up a treat, actually. But believe me, guys, there's people out there and this is what I aspire to with green stuff, I suppose. There's people out there who will sculpt like full figures, full miniatures from green stuff. And that just absolutely blows my mind that they can do that. I think I think for me, it's definitely starting small but aiming high. So doing these smaller sort of um, projects, you know, like doing fur, for example, or um, making some bones or even a skull, like that's a little bit trickier. But if you've got the right tools at hand, then anything's achievable, really. But yeah, there's there's people out there that are getting like a wire frame and then twisting that and bending that into the shape they want and then adding layer after layer after layer of green stuff to build up um, the thickness of the flesh or whatever, or the, you know, the torso, the head, and then they sculpt. Then they're cutting away um, bits and pieces and, and you know, cutting grooves and lines and all sorts of stuff. And then, yeah, voila, creates this amazing, unique uh, figurine or miniature. It's, it's astounding what people can do. Like I've said in previous episodes, converting and kit bashing is my absolute favorite thing about the hobby. Using something, utilizing something like green stuff or, or modeling putty is an extension of that. So with kit bashing, for example, yes, there's so many kits out there that you really, you know, you really spoil for choice. But if you want that that head or that arm or that weapon or the whole miniature to be completely unique and just solely your creation then green stuff is the way to go or putty is the way to go because you you literally are starting with a blank canvas because quite often for example and there's nothing wrong with this but quite often when you look at other people's conversions and stuff you can if you know the ranges if you know the miniature ranges you can go oh yeah that's a that's a stormcast eternal shield um that's an adeptus mechanicus uh set of legs you know you can generally pick out the bits and bobs which is kind of fun to do i actually quite enjoy doing that but how cool is it when you're looking at someone's art or their their creation and going oh my god how did they how did they get that tail to do that and lo and behold, uh, yeah, it's done with green stuff. They've they've literally made it from nothing. And to me, that is it's a whole new level of of creating or creativity when you're making essentially you're making the pieces to work with your miniature. That's so cool. I've definitely got a long way to go with with my green stuff skills, but like with the painting. Um, I think just practice, just keep going. Um, you pick up tips and tricks along the way from, from other hobbyists, uh, YouTube tutor tutorials and things like that. For instance, you know, it does make sense having the right tools. Um, <laughs> my first attempts at green stuff, you could very much clearly see my fingerprints <laughs> in the putty, which is, you know, that's not ideal unless, unless, <laughs> unless you want fingerprints in your, in your miniature. Yeah. So, so, you know, as you, the more you practice, the, the better you're going to get at it basically. And I, it's definitely something, yeah, I really aspire to is being really good at sculpting green stuff because then I think, you know, 
the world's my oyster. Then I can make anything. Then I can, I don't have to go and buy something. I can just buy greens, a whole bunch of green stuff and create, yeah, like my little men out of clay. <laughs> That's cool. One thing that is a little bit off-putting, I suppose, for me with green stuff is the fact that you always need to keep your fingers wet or lubricated <laughs> or moist, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Because obviously it's such a sticky substance that you just can't get by without it. I mean, yeah, even with your tools and, and even if you just want to cut a slice off, you've really got to use some Vaseline or just some water um, to keep everything sort of wet and, and clean. Because otherwise, yeah, it just goes everywhere, gets stuck to everything. So for me, that yeah, maybe I'm being a bit pressed but <laughs> it's a little bit off-putting because I don't know I've got I'm not wouldn't say OCD but I like clean hands now it's funny because I am a gardener so my hands are often dirty but you know what as soon as I'm back in the truck after a job I'm cleaning my hands it's just like a not a not an obsession because I do you know go through a whole day with dirty hands but I prefer clean hands especially nails I prefer clean nails <laughs> so with the green stuff yeah that stuff oh my god it gets everywhere it gets stuck you know everywhere so it is it is a little bit off-putting for me and i don't like my fingers always being wet either you know this just yeah maybe i'm like i said maybe i'm being a bit too precious now some of you might think bicarb soda is good for food or for even cleaning things wrong well it probably is but you know what it is good for it's good for filling gaps. That's right, you heard it first here today. You've probably heard it before, but bicarbonate soda, that white powder that's in in the tub, in the back of the pantry that no one ever sort of really uses or understands what it's for, you can use that to block the gaps in your models. And not only that, you can also use it for basing. So you can you can create textures with it. It's fantastic. I. I think, now I'm really trying to cast my memory back, so I've been using this method, this little tip, this little trick um, for oh, about two or three years, and I think I might have learnt it from Luke's Apps, the YouTuber I did a hobby spotlight on back on episode four or something. I think I learned it from that guy, and it's, oh my God, I, I swear by this stuff now. It's so easy to use. It doesn't stick to my fingers. <laughs> I don't have to have wet fingers to use it. You just simply, okay, let me, let me take you through my process. So, okay, so I've got all my bits to make a, I don't know, some kind of gypsy warrior, right? Got my head, got my arms, got my legs, got my torso, got my backpack, got my weapons, all that kind of stuff. Got my base. Start gluing them together, get the positions right, cut, carve, you know, whatever you need to do to make it fit. But most of the time, I'd say a good 90% of the time, there is going to be a little section, a little gap where you go, oh, I don't know about that bit. And like in the past, before I discovered the uh, bicarb uh, method, I would use like a pouch or something, you know, to glue over, like say if you're joining the legs to a torso and you've got a, where you've cut it, you've got a bit of a gap on the backside of the torso, just like in the, in the small of the back, say, there might be a bit of a gap there where the blade is like pushed through the plastic, if you know what I mean. Um, in the past, I would have put like a backpack or some pouches over it or a gun holster 
or you know a coil of rope or something you know something like that just to to mask or hide the imperfection in the join i hope that makes sense <laughs> I, I can see it in my mind's eye um but since discovering bicarb soda i yeah all it needs is a touch of super glue just a touch just to just to smear over that little gap now i'm talking millimeters people and then a, a nice little sprinkle just a, like a pinch of salt imagine that kind of that's that's the amount that's the measurement a pinch of bicarb soda <laughs> it's like a recipe sprinkled over that gap and it hardens almost instantly and it hardens to like a rock hard plastic it's oh man it's so <laughs> it's so good now i suppose you could just use glue but glue um when as it dries it pulls in it retracts is that the right word and so you're still going to have a bit of a dip there whereas i find if you do the glue and then bang straight away some bicarb soda it hardens straight away so it doesn't have time to shrink the glue doesn't have time to shrink it just goes pop like it's hard yeah like i said straight away which is perfect for for miniature building um and those little minor fixes the other great thing is that you can build it up as well so you might do like a minor fix like a little tiny gap a little tiny crack or whatever and you fill it with the glue and the bicarb soda brilliant but you also might like I, i'm working on a piece currently actually where it's it's got oh, it's hard to explain but it's it's got a massive gap in its chest cavity basically like i've used arms and legs but i couldn't quite find the right torso i found the uh, like the hips i suppose of another creature and i found the legs but all that middle torso bit was quite empty um yeah like the, the pectoral muscles are there because they were um like were pauldrons are they pauldrons but like a body armor type thing so that was there so it was kind of half covered but all the stomach and all underneath that body armor big big gap big empty space rather so what i did was just slowly built up i did a layer of glue and then sprinkled in some bicarb soda another layer of glue sprinkled in some bicarb soda and so on and so forth until it filled out i hope that makes sense it's such a hard thing to explain but yes you might have a bit of spillage you might have a bit of like it seeps out and this bit and this bit but then guess what people you can cut it you can carve it you can sand it and you can file it and now with the cutting it is a bit harder you've got to have a really really sharp scalpel but it can be done i've definitely done it many many times but you do run the risk of um it's sort of once the glue in the bicarb soda is is solidified it becomes more like it's not like plastic it doesn't it's not soft it's quite hard and when you cut it it can crack so i i tend not to cut it as much as possible i will carve like so i'll take like you know shards off off the edge um but with a nail file just a simple household nail file don't tell the wife i stole hers um <laughs> you can you can sand those lumpy bits back now you can't sculpt it as well as you can with green stuff for example but you can still sand it you can still file it to make it a smoother surface the last really really cool thing to do with it is is basing so a spring uh, sorry a squirt of glue over a base and then a sprinkle of the bicarb soda 
bingo, you've got texture. And then you can build on that as well. So I've often used it to, um, you know, the slotter bases. Well, sometimes you've got a slotter base, so the, the round plastic base with, the, with a gap going through it. Um, sometimes you've got that base, but you haven't got a slotter figure to go into it so you're gonna you're gonna stick a normal figurine on top of that or miniature on top of that and you're gonna have this big gap the thing i've done in the past is just fill that with super glue and bicarb soda done it's it's so quick and easy you can obviously cut things and put stuff over the gap as well um, i've done that as well but if you just want a quick fix yeah super glue and bicarb soda bingo <laughs> it's so good and one more final thing that i just remembered about bicarb soda and how good it is and all the uses for it, you can make snow, snow effects. Mix in bicarb soda with common household wood glue, PVA wood glue, um, the stuff we use you know, for terrain and bits and pieces like that. Mix it in, let it, and then spread it out, smear it over your bases or your terrain pieces, let it settle, let it set, voila, you have snow. I'm dreaming of a white snow effect. It's the Imperial Rebel Org Podcast! Tabletop Minions. That's who the hobby spotlight is on today. If you haven't heard of Tabletop Minions, then by all means, stop this podcast right now. Go over to your device or your TV Look up YouTube, type in Tabletop Minions, and you'll have an absolute ball. The owner, producer, and presenter of Tabletop Minions is a chap who calls himself Uncle Atom, A-T-O-M. Really cool dude. He is well immersed in the uh, in the beloved hobby. Everyone pretty much knows his face, knows his name, um, knows what he does. He's got a huge following on Instagram, huge following on YouTube. He's all over it. This guy is is seriously all over it. And on his show, he covers everything from uh, scratch building to painting terrain to uh, the intricacies of the rules, um, how to put together the best kill team. Um, yeah, he's got everything. Honestly, he's he's got everything. But what I also like is there's the um, the personal approach as well. It's not purely just um, this is how you paint this miniature or this is how you play this game. It's also like he, he touches on things like, for instance, m- m- the more recent stuff with the COVID nineteen. You know how to uh, push through some of the darker times and and be positive and with the hobby and you know doing things to keep yourself sane during these strange days. And I really like that. I really appreciate that because it's not uh, it's not um, two dimensional. You know he goes much further, and I think that's really really cool. He covers most, if not all, the conventions throughout America, Gen Con, Adepticon, things like that. Um, as I said, he, he is, he's really all over it. His longtime friend and fellow hobbyist Sam Lenz, L-E-N-Z, is often on the show, showing off his, his style and his skills. He is Sam Lenz. If you don't know him, look him up as well. He's got to be one of the greatest painters of our generation. Surprisingly, Tabletop Minions have only just started doing battle reports, which, to be honest, doesn't really bother me because I don't watch a lot of battle reports anyway. But, yeah, I think uh, it's a good addition to the channel for sure because 
the thousands upon thousands of people watching are obviously loving the content, but I reckon they'll be loving some battle reports too. I think my favorite thing about the YouTube channel, Tabletop Minions, is the way he presents. He just seems like such a decent bloke. Um, yes, he could be a complete nutcase behind closed doors and could have murdered 25 people in the last month. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I really don't think so. Um, yeah, he just seems like a really cool, laid-back, genuine dude who just is absolutely obsessed and loves the hobby, wants to share his passion with like-minded people. But on another level, I think what's cool is that there is something there for everyone. He could be talking to someone who is a complete and utter novice like myself, pretty much, when it comes to gaming. But he can also appeal to someone who's probably a hardcore competitive tournament player as well. Um, and, and the same thing applies to the actual hobby aspect of, of, of everything too, where he will will teach you things. He'll teach you how to prime, um, you know, war cry terrain. And, but at the same time, he'll also teach you some of the technical stuff as well that goes into painting. So honestly, there really is something there for everyone. And they're really easy to watch. There's, he's, he injects a bit of humor and stuff like that as well. He's obviously very knowledgeable in general, but also extremely knowledgeable when it comes to the, the hobby itself. So I definitely implore you to go and sit down and watch a few. You don't have to be into Warhammer specifically, just into miniatures, just into wargaming. And he's got a nice, you know, easy to listen to voice. He should be doing like easy listening radio or something, this guy. But yeah, honestly, guys, really cool. Go sit down, crack open a beer or pour yourself a cup of tea and just binge six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven episodes. Um, yeah, you'll you'll really enjoy them just as much as I do. One more thing I should mention is that he was a big influence on me to start this podcast. Now, don't get me wrong, I certainly wouldn't put myself in the same category as this man. <laughs> He's definitely the upper echelon of everything from hobby to presenting a show. Um, but yeah, keeping episodes sort of short sharp and snappy is kind of what he does and that's kind of why I decided to approach this uh, podcast in that way as well but also because I do have a tendency to to ramble on and on and on and on and on and on What have I been up to in our beloved hobby? Well, it's more Hellgate, and I've been chipping away at a warband called the Eternal Scourge. 
They're a war band that I pieced together from mostly war cry bits and pieces. Um, I think the base model is mainly the unmade. There's a little bit of splintered fang in there as well, but I've also used um, Escher bits. Um, oh, what else did I use? I've even used some Dark Elder bits and pieces in there too. And yeah, a bit of a mishmash really, which is, you know, my cup of tea. So I've been chipping away at painting those. And I've got to say, I was actually feeling a little bit apprehensive about painting these because anyone familiar with the Unmade, for example, um, uh, Warcry band, war band, they're, they're kind of small and, and uh, fiddly and delicate. So I was kind of a bit, yeah, feeling a bit sort of apprehensive about getting the brush onto those because I just thought, oh, there's lots of little details. And I was, I guess I was kind of doubting my, <laughs> my own paint skills and whether I could achieve what I um, saw in my head, you know. But I've got to say, without, you know, blowing my own trumpet, I'm really quite pleased with what I achieved. I just took my time was very careful and used the right brushes, smaller brushes, and yeah, didn't didn't rush through it, really tried to pick out all the details as much as I could. Played, uh, paid special attention to um, things like chain mail, blades, spikes, which these models are covered in. So yeah, I'm actually quite pleased with the result. Very, very grim dark, um, very, one lady on the blog said that they, when she saw them, she just had visions of dried blood and rust. And I, yeah, I really like that comment. So um, <laughs> thank you to her. And yeah, it definitely has that feel to it. Dried blood, <laughs> I'll start that again. Dried blood and rust. <laughs> so go check those, those out. I've done a, I've painted two so far, hoping to crack on with a few more over the weekend. Um, yeah, go check those out on Instagram, Imperial Rebel Orc. You can find them on my WordPress blog as well, which is Imperial Rebel Orc too. If you'd like to email me guys for any reason, you can email me imperialrebelorc at gmail. Um, wanted to say thank you to, well, yeah, sort of thank you to Henry, Henry Four. That's, that's, his uh, that's his email name anyway um, for just sort of <laughs> prompting me or or pushing me into getting back onto some Rourke's drifts uh, yeah he emailed me to basically say I hope you haven't forgotten Rourke's drift I haven't forgotten it I promise you it's still there in the back of my mind sort of mocking me saying when are you going to get back to us you prick um, <laughs> but I've, you know what I've got to follow that hobby butterfly I've got to I've got to follow that creativity that just rises up in me and at the moment it's just all about hellgate i think with the rock shift project i i'm ex i'm still excited about it but because there's no real creativity as far as i can't change anything because it's got to to me it's got to be historically correct and accurate so therefore it doesn't stimulate the creative juices it doesn't get those bubbling you know whereas hellgate is such a free-for-all it's such a uh, you know, wide open expanse of just freedom to do whatever I want that, yeah, that's got me pumped more so. But as I keep letting you guys know, there is a deadline for the Rorkstrift project, which is the 22nd of January, 2021. So we're in, we're, well, we're nearly in, this is the last day of May as I speak. Um, so, <laughs> 
you know, I've still got six months, but as we all know, time disappears very quickly these days. So before I know it, six months are going to be over and I'm going to be going, oh my God, I've got three weeks to get this shit done. Um, <laughs> so, but you know what? Pressure makes diamonds, but that's not the plan for Rourke's Drift. The plan is to keep chipping away here and there. But honestly, guys, I got I got to stick with Hellgate for now. Thanks for listening to episode 17, guys. This one stood out for me a little bit more than the others. I'm not sure exactly why, um, but I guess it's like painting miniatures. Sometimes you finish one and you go, yeah, I've nailed this one. This one's great. Other times you paint one and go, yeah, it's okay, but you know, it will just go on the shelf and doesn't really do anything for me. Um, yeah, this one stands out for me. Anyway, that's it. I'll see you on episode 18. My God, we're pushing through them. See you guys. You've been listening to The Imperial Red Owl Podcast.